Welcome to Table Stakes, presented by Xenial, where some of the most innovative and tech-savvy leaders in the enterprise restaurant scene discuss the technology they are using to solve the toughest issues they face. I'm host, Andy Grindstaff, restaurant enthusiast, technology optimist, and one of the product leads here at Xenial. And I'm Tama Looney, analytics fanatic, lifelong learner, diversity champion, and head of client success for Global Payments Ace Division. And today I am joined by the absolutely phenomenal Betsy Boone. Betsy Boone is an enterprise sales executive at Xenial and an absolute delight to be near, around, and work with. Welcome, Betsy. Thank you, Tama. I am thrilled to be here. It's pretty exciting. Well, to get us started, Betsy, do you mind telling us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do with Xenial? Absolutely. I would be happy to. Uh, Best ways to describe me. I am a woman. I love solving problems and helping others. My background is in hospitality and technology. And I like to say that I have a major in sales and business development. So that's a little bit about me professionally. Now, what makes up this professional woman is that I'm married to a man who thankfully was attracted to my independence and drive, and he supports me in my pursuit of dreams and initiatives. We have four wonderfully different kids. We call them the bigs and the littles because there's an eight-year gap between the two of them, between the two groups. My oldest is a 16-year-old girl followed by a 14-and-a-half-year-old boy, and then the littles are boy-girl twins who are six. So I became familiar with Xenial approximately six years ago when I worked in technology for NetSurian selling uh, something that, that was a great complement to Expiant. And we've stayed in touch over the years. One of uh, the vice presidents there, Tracy Gallimore, I was thankful to receive his call in April of the beginning of the pandemic. Dun, dun, dun. And at that point, I had taken a break in work, and we could probably get to that later. But he called to see if I'd be open to coming back and or to coming to the team to join them as a uh, a brand development resource. He knew that coming out of the pandemic, that there would be tremendous opportunity for Xenial and that it's a very forward thinking and innovative company. And our technology aligns well within the quick service restaurant space. And he wanted to get even more word out on the street and thought I'd be a great person for that. So it's been a wonderful fit. You absolutely are a great person for that, Betsy. And you have really helped to get Xenial some better brand recognition out there on the street. And I'm so glad you talked about innovation because we are focusing on innovation during this series. So can you tell me a little bit about what that word means for you and how do you foster it for yourself and through Xenial? To me, innovation is tied with what some people might call failure or determining what doesn't work. It's about solving problems and looking at things from different vantage points. It is stretching beyond what we traditionally do and looking outside and above while most importantly, keeping an eye on who we can best serve. So to me, 
it's uh, it's trying new things. I follow a process. I like Darren Hardy, and he believes in plan, do, review, and improve. So in every aspect of my like my life, <laughs> I can look at implementing those four things cyclically. And within the restaurant technology space, the pandemic required all of us to do that in our personal lives and our professional lives. So I think we're all consistently innovating, whether it's positively or frankly, there are some of us who've probably um, done that from a negative sense. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned earlier the QSR space, and you know Xenial is focused primarily in the restaurant industry, though we are also in some others like the stadium vertical. But the restaurant industry, thinking through that, it's really the backbone of America. And it's interesting when you look at industry statistics that women and men enter the industry at about the same rate. Basically, 50% of the entry-level positions in the restaurant industry are filled by women. However, only 18% of the C-level positions are filled by women. So tell me, what does this mean to you? The fact that you have two girls and two boys, right, from a diversity perspective, but what do you see changing in the restaurant space or do you see changing in the restaurant space and how do women play a part in that, especially when it comes to those executives that you're encountering right now? There's lots of meat in what you just shared. The, what COVID offered us all was an opportunity to identify areas that we were weak in or areas that there was room for improvement. So one of the things that companies found is that during the pandemic, having relationships with your coworkers and with the people that worked with you was more important than ever. And one of the other findings was that women were doing a better job of connecting with their groups. And as such, their groups were not as negatively impacted and their productivity was less than, than that of others. Now, what does it mean to me from a sales perspective? I like to bring everything I have to the field every time. As a woman, I, God developed me so that I can multitask, which is important in these days and times because there might be a kid running across the screen and you got to stay focused. Additionally, it's important to listen and pay attention and seek to understand what the real problem is that we are working to solve. Another important aspect and one that women, I believe, were better designed for is offering grace and understanding and compassion. During these times, folks have struggled professionally and personally. Were, it, it was all unprecedented and by connecting with others and first meeting them where they are, it gave us an opportunity to, to get to know each other. And then as we get to know each other, to build that trust and rapport to then help the other person achieve whatever it was their goal is. So in our space, I'm seeing more and more women 
being identified as candidates and, and in roles in which they, they are decision makers. And that's been a difference for me. I've been doing this for shy of three decades. So, uh, it, it has been a terrific experience to be able to connect and to laugh and, uh, and just get to know each other in this space and get to know each other a little better. And I've found that men have been doing that as well during the pandemic. Those who recognize that it's important to get to know all of each other, not just the professional side, but also understanding the human side and the family side that, uh, that, that, that's been important. I don't know if I answered your question. Like I said, there's a lot of meat. We can dive into any of those little areas more if you'd like. Well, let me actually unpack a few of what things that you said, because it's always an answer when you're, you're digging into what we're, we're looking to talk about, which is really innovation, diversity, and how women are playing a part of that. And one of the reasons that we really wanted you to be on this podcast is because of the really, not only the wealth of knowledge that you have, the fact that you have helped us to really innovate and continue to innovate our products and services that we offer here at Xenial, but you do this with, to your point, grace and compassion and understanding that I think that really is derived from the fact that you are the head of a household, or not the head of the household, but you are the mom of a household of four different aged children, right? And to your point, the pandemic has really caused us to interweave this personal and professional life. And it's caused a lot of people to be able to see that. So I want to take a minute and talk a little bit about what you were speaking for in terms of the great thing is, is we're seeing more women elevated uh, in positions and we're seeing that across the restaurant industry, which is phenomenal. One of the industry stats that we continue to see, though, globally is that women are being impacted more by the pandemic than men. There are definitely different things. Uh, we have a women's network here at Global Payments that Betsy and I both are a part of, and we absolutely love. One of the phenomenal things that Andrea Carter brought to us was the pink pandemic and talking about how women are juggling sometimes not more but differently than men. Uh, how a lot of the household responsibilities continue to lay on those women, how we are still wanting to be at, achieve at a high level, especially for those like Betsy Boone, who are high achievers. And how do you balance all that? And I would love to dig into a little bit about that, especially with you and the fact that you have four kids. Uh, you have some side businesses, too, that I want to talk about um, in terms of how do you juggle a lot of what you do and still find time to innovate and be present at work. Can you dive a little bit into some of the tools and tricks that you've done, Betsy, to really help to navigate this really crazy water that we're in? Yeah, sure thing. So first and most important, you will only grow and accomplish as much as you are capable of growing and accomplishing, which means that you are your best product. And the more you invest in yourself, the more value you can provide others and the more value you provide others, the, the more, I hate to use the word important, but it, the, the more you can, you can help them. 
So I'm all about helping and I'm about problem solving. Those are two of the lenses that I always look at. So over the course of the pandemic, I have made sure that I am prioritizing me, which is a little different because I am a mom and I used to put myself last. And not only did I put myself last, but I put my work in front of my family. And that was a problem. Thankfully, my husband brought that up. And as a result of that conversation, so number one, we have a, a great relationship and we trust each other. So we're, we're able to confide and we invite each other to criticize. I have come at things with, um, with three priorities and I have them written on a sticky at the bottom of my monitor. So my priorities are number one, to be present with my family. Uh, what that means is that when I'm with my family, I'm with my family. In order for me to be with my family, that has given me an opportunity to get even better at time management and using simple things like a calendar to assign my, my attention during the day. I, it helps reduce the overhead of decision-making because you can become exhausted with decision-making. So I set my calendar up so that I have my miracle morning from five to six, from six to seven thirty. I am present with my family. And that's through the two shifts of kids getting out um, and off to school. Then I take a quick loop around the neighborhood to get a little bit of exercise. And then I have an hour of me, whatever I want to do during that hour. And then I have a big chunk of time that is all zenial all things Xenial. Then I have a lunch-ish break, and then I dive into Xenial some more. And then after Xenial, it is focused family time. And then after that, it is either the nonprofit or, or some of the other work I do, or it's social. But the point, and then I have a bedtime routine. So what I'm getting at there is in order, we all have the same number of hours in a day, and it's really about managing those hours. How am I applying myself to those hours? And if I know what I'm supposed to be doing within those hours and I prioritize around there, then I can engage other resources to help me. So it's about managing time, managing priorities. As you look at the intersection of priorities and time, it's an, it gives you the ability to then engage other resources to best help you in reaching your goals. If we don't ask for help, others don't know we need it. If we don't invite an opportunity for collaboration, we're missing out. As a woman, I used to be the helper and not the help e. When my youngest was eight weeks old, she had her first open heart surgery. I can't control that environment. We made it through that, and I was still the helper. Well, then she had her second open-heart surgery at a year old, and we had complications, which led to additional time in the hospital, and that brought me to my knees. And I'm thankful God did bring me to my knees because then I had an epiphany, Tama. You know what? Other people like to help. 
other people enjoy contributing. The joy that I used to receive as the helper, if I did not allow somebody to share the gift with me, I denied them that joy. And you can apply that in your work life and your personal life. So how do I do it all? First off, it's through the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not shy about that. Second, it's by raising my hand so, excuse me, sooner and acknowledging that I'm stuck. Now, if you are stuck, it's important to denote what you were doing in, right before you got stuck and to come up with some suggestions on what you think would be helpful to get you unstuck. I don't believe in complaining ad nauseum. There's a time and a place for that, and that is important, but recognize that these are two different things. So um, when you are stuck, raise your hand and look around for who you think might be the best person to help you get unstuck. Ask for that advice, ask for some time, schedule that, and then apply it and share the results with others. Um, So when it comes to balancing, to me, it, it boils down to prioritizing. So understanding what your priority, what your priorities are underneath your priorities, you should have goals and those goals should be, um, big goals like yearly goals and then monthly goals, weekly goals, and daily goals that you can track your progress towards in in achieving what you want as your priority. So if it's to be present with my family, that to me is time blocking so that I don't, I I don't allow for, or I do the best I can to prevent distractions and, uh, and then laugh is really important. It's, it's one of the, the best cheapest gifts out there is laughter and allowing for some breaks. I like to listen to different music and take two minute dance breaks because that changes up the energy. And then the other things um, are definitely asking for help and collaborating with others. Excellent words of wisdom. You mentioned your nonprofit and I love your nonprofit. I'm a huge fan. I would love to talk a little bit about uh, the fact you've you've helped us with understanding how to balance some of that, how to be able to run a successful nonprofit as well as a successful career and balance that with family. I would love to talk a little bit about how the fact that you do have a nonprofit. Can you talk about, number one, what is it? What does it do? Uh, And also talk about how that relates with Xenial and the business that we're seeing and, and how restaurant brands could maybe even tap into that. Absolutely. My youngest daughter, I mentioned the open heart surgery. She was also born with an extra chromosome. It was the extra 21st chromosome and they call it uh, trisomy 21 or most commonly known as Down syndrome. And, uh, gee, did you notice that big deep sigh? Oh, there's a lot to that. So when um when she and Jacob were born the the littles we entered a couple different groups at that point the the group of multiples cuz we had twins um congenitive heart congenitive 
um, heart defects and then congenital heart defects and then also um, special needs. So uh, when you have twins, you're even more exhausted than when you have a singleton. And then when you have uh, one of the twins who has special needs, there's she will do anything and everything that Jacob can. It was important that I read that and learned that and digested that and own that. I just need to remember that it will take her more time and effort. As we looked around the world, I like to make life easy on me. And that means that I want to apply uh, things as similar as possible. My four kids are different. They have different interests and abilities, but I want all of them to leave my house. I think we're better people. This is my soapbox. I think we're all better people when we don't live at home. And I know that I'm a different person around my friends than I am around my parents. Different. It doesn't mean better. It doesn't mean worse. It just means different. So as we looked at Kennedy, we realized that there, the options for employment were drastically fewer than those of any of the other kids. And along the same vein, the opportunities and likelihood of her living as independently as possible were rare. We didn't see that we didn't see a big market for those that were reaching out to families or individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities to help them with independent living. And the more I researched it and the more I realized and the more I talked to parents of older children with I'm going to use the word the acronym IDD for intellectual and developmental disabilities. Down syndrome is one of those. Autism is another fairly well known. Um, I didn't I didn't see it. So I thought, well, if it doesn't exist, it, you know, I might as well start it. Let's let's do something. You'll find that's another point about me is I don't believe in just sitting around instead of talking about a problem, let's find a solution. So we created Kennedy Strong Foundation. The other reason we created it was because following her stay in the hospital, she had created a following. And we had a lot of support from others who wanted to help us. There's, there are services and agencies and organizations and state-funded programs for kids with IDD. There's early intervention programs. However, there's this huge cliff. There's a chasm. And that, that rears itself at the age of roughly 21. So as soon as somebody completes their high school education, the list of opportunities and ways to engage with others, it, um, it's crippled. And um, so we said, well, gosh, we've got a following. Let's, let's, if you want to give me money, great. Give me money. I'm going to use that money to help people who are 21 and up because right now, I don't need it. Other people are funding this. There's a need here. So let's let's do that. The intention of Kennedy Strong Foundation and what we are growing towards is is a community, building out a community where individuals with IDD and those without. So me and the Kennedys of the world would go live and work and play. 
And why do they all need to be in a community? Because transportation is one of the biggest challenges for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Yes, there will be remote cars. Yes, there's Uber. That helps. There's public transportation. It's not very dependable. And that stresses out people with IDD. Um, So if I live somewhere and I have the ability to add accommodations to help people live as independently as possible, that's a plus. And if employment is within walking distance, terrific, terrific, I've solved those two problems. And then let's have a little fun while we're at it. So that's the intention of the community. What does that mean today? Well, that means that everybody's got to shift their mindset to believe that the Kennedys of the world are capable and interested in those two things. So if you don't know anybody with IDD, go find somebody. Um, Having a disability makes you one of the largest minorities in the world. People with disabilities equate to 15% of the population. That means that you don't have to throw the stone far to find somebody personally affected by disability, whether it's themselves and whether it's a visible disability or it's invisible. Now, when it comes to IDD, um, people don't really talk about it as much. They are talking about it a lot more. But uh, even as much as five years ago, I found out more people who had kids with disabilities through their coworkers than in my conversations with them directly. And I think, well, that's a whole nother story. We won't get into that. So what does that mean for restaurant technology? Well, for me, Betsy Boone, I'm passionate about what I do. I love it. I love connecting with others. I love solving problems and helping people. So every conversation I go into with somebody that I don't know, I want to get to know them and I want to figure out how I might be able to help them with something. In the sales space, what that means is I want to get to know Tama. And I'm typically calling on somebody in the restaurant space that has to do with technology. And so I want to know what their goals and objectives are. Well, what are two of the hottest things right now? Labor is an issue. It is absolutely an issue. And um, what all is underneath that issue? Well, employers don't have enough people to fill the spots. They're struggling. You You have that challenge. And then over here, you have individuals that want a job, who are capable of a job but they're not being asked and the current interviewing processes are stacked against them. Using technology for doing interviews actually works against people with IDD in that um, when you are pre-sorting against things, you know, one small example on all these questionnaires, you know, when diversity, equity, inclusion is is all top of mind. And I love that because that helps my cause at least gets people talking about things. Well, if on an application, you're asking if somebody has a disability, you kind of feel like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Oh, can you imagine the conflict that somebody has when they see that? 
because they want to be true to themselves. And yet there's a concern that if I check this box, what's going to happen next? Second, so that's just if it's all, you know, paper or electronic, then you get to the interviewing process and somebody with IDD doesn't process things the way somebody who is neurotypical does. How often do we, did you notice that pause? I paused after what I just said. I started talking slower, deliberately, because people with IDD process things slower. It might take Kennedy 15, I'm sorry, 5 to 30 seconds to process a question. The next time you ask someone a question, turn on your timer and wait eight seconds before you ask again. It's not uncommon for people with IDD not to be given a chance to respond because the person asking the question wasn't used to waiting to hear the answer. So then they asked the question again, or they maybe even changed the question. So now you've just started to build up some anxiety because I didn't answer the first question. And now you've asked me another one. Do you see how this can be troublesome for somebody with IDD? And does the ability to answer questions in an interview format um, in a timely manner, does that relate to that person's capability and the skill set of doing the job? Not necessarily. I'm going to get to the, to the quick of things. Xenial is in quick service restaurants, which are drive-throughs. And look at where technology is today. You don't even have to be inside the restaurant to operate the technology that's in the restaurant. Folks, that's game changing. So what if we allowed people to work in a different environment to operate the drive-through, the technology that runs the drive-through, which is taking an order and ringing the order. And we allowed them to do that in their own homes or in a call center or in another space, it doesn't even have to be in the same geography. The intention is getting the work done. And in the, in the restaurant space, it's doing it accurately and it's doing it in a pleasing fashion. So as I looked at, at Xenial's next generation drive-through experience, that's where my mind lit up with the possibilities of the organizations that are out there today who are like-minded and want to be involved in their community. And you look at the organizations that are near and dear to their hearts and where those organizations might be filled with individuals who could make terrific candidates for employment 
So yes, I'm passionate about people with IDD. And you might have the highest of IQs, but odds are your confidence is a lot less because we're told we've got to fit into this box. Well, let's just, let's redesign the box a little bit and let's give the employer what they need while giving the employee what they desire, which is a job. And what you find is increases in productivity, reliability, um, morale, like the, the, uh, the sky can be the limit. So that's, that's one way that I see these things intersecting. I think it's my favorite story that of innovation, right? How technology and humanity really work together to elevate all of us. So I think conscious capitalism is one of my favorite uh, nonprofits as well, which talks about how do we look at corporations as a way to elevate humanity? This is exactly what we're talking about. And this is exactly what you're working forward and toward. And I just, I love that, Betsy Boone. I think it's a beautiful story and it's something that it's tangible and it really does solve a problem for our restaurant operators because you're a hundred percent right. Finding people that are willing to work and want to work right now is difficult. And then giving the tools that people who really want to work and can work and are phenomenal employees, giving them the tools to me is just the best of both worlds. So thank you for sharing part of your passion and, and how you're really helping to use that passion to make us all better humans and to really elevate all of us, not only our technology, but humanity in itself. Yep. Can I tack on to that one more thing, Tammy? Absolutely. Please do. So we we were just talking about things from the employer's perspective and from the employee's perspective. Well, when we talk about people with IDD, there's one other really big stakeholder in that, and that's the parent or guardian. Why would I bring that up? Well, we talked about how transportation can be an issue for those with IDD. And we talked about how after the, um, after completing our high school education, which can be anywhere between 18 and 22, legally you can stay in school depending on when your birthday is up until the age of 22. And then how there's this chasm and like the bottom drops off. So what if you're the parent? of a child with IDD whom you have loved for all those years, whom you know is capable. And yet, what are they going to do? And you have a job, Tama. We now have more conflict. We now have more challenge for one other party who's struggling out there. And those are the parents of the individuals who want to have a job. Now, I am being completely self-serving by bringing this up because we, Kennedy Strong Foundation, are launching what we call the Let's Go to Work program. Why would I bring this up? Well, because it's apropos. I told you that Kennedy will do just about everything Jacob will do. It just takes her a little bit longer and she's got to work a little bit harder. So we developed a program for people with IDD. It's a 12-month program. We've used, we've taken methodologies 
that are in work and functioning today in other organizations to develop criteria for this program. We are, so this is, and this is innovation, my friend. Innovation means it may not work, but you know what? If we don't give it a try, we don't know that it won't work. So we are accepting six participants or six cohorts into this groundbreaking program. And they will join us where in the program, they are going to learn job skills and soft skills. By the way, we could all work on honing our soft skills. That's professionalism, communication, time management, and the like. Within our program, we actually work, we have, we call them enterprises, and it's a job simulation environment. We will be using um, hydroponic gardens, so growing vegetables and then selling those. That's that those are the skills. And you can you can use all sorts of different skills within this enterprise. Think lemonade stand and how you can use a lemonade stand to um, teach just about anything. And maybe we partner with a technology company or even Xenial or Global Payments with our cohorts in working through some of these other ideas of how we can use technology and innovation. Um, to help them build over the course of 12 months, build their physical endurance, their cognitive endurance, and their social and emotional endurance. And while they are building that up, we are working with the organizations that work with the employers of the world to help them with their adaptations and accommodations to make them softer places to land and better positions for those who are graduating from programs like this to be fully employed. Our program is eight to five. And I bring that up specifically because a lot of the positions out there for people with IDD are anywhere between two hours or four hours. Some are even six hours. And Tama, I don't know about you, but the last time I worked only two hours a day or four hours a day or six hours a day was a long time ago. So if I was in a position now, if Kennedy were 22 today, even if she was offered a job that was only two or three hours a day, two or three days a week, that could actually put us in a worse position. It might not be cost effective for her to have that job if it would prevent me from having my job. And that's why our Let's Go to Work program, one of the primary tenants is building up the endurance to enable our graduates to have eight-hour-a-day jobs. And that doesn't mean nobody works eight hours straight. You shouldn't. Science tells us we shouldn't. You should build in two-minute breaks or 10-minute breaks. It depends on the type of work you're doing. And you should communicate with others because that's another place where innovation happens. But you're still in that place or in that zone for a period of roughly eight hours. And let's make sure that we have, we have people that have been trained to do that, that understand and they've built up the skills necessary to look forward to that setting. So thanks for letting me talk a little bit about that program and and some of the things that we are doing, and by us doing it, we want to be encouraging others 
to expect it after training and building and allowing others to be in a position to succeed at it. Awesome. Well, if any of our listeners are interested in learning more about Kennedy Strong, would you, or this program, can you give them an idea of how to get in touch with you and or how to get in touch with Kennedy Strong? Yes, absolutely. So we have our webpage is www.kennedystrong.org. And that is probably the best way to get in touch with us. We do have a, a tab at the top called Let's Go to Work. And Melissa Buchek is the director of that program. So she's the best person to give you all the detail underneath it. I love it. Well, thank you absolutely so much today for your time. You are an inspiration to me and so many others. I would love to hear who or what really inspires you, Betsy. Great question. Uh, the My daughter absolutely inspires me. All, well, both of them and my sons. Uh, in that I am inspired by seeing others try things that don't work and then get back up and doing it again. I'm inspired by, it sounds cheesy, but the, the Zig Ziglar's of the world and the Brian Tracy's and the Tony Robbins and the Darren Hardy's. Um, frankly, any successful person that you see out there, I'm inspired by their failure. And I think we all forget the failure part and we just focus on the success. When if you dive underneath the covers and start peeling back the onion, you see the story and you read the story of the struggling single mom who wrote the book in the coffee shops that then became an absolute success. And you see... I'm inspired by the nurses out there who are always giving of themselves and the doctors who think outside the box. Kennedy's cardiologist, for instance, when we went into the surgery, he said, I don't know if I'm going to do operation A or B until I get in there and see her heart. And he ended up performing operation A and a half. She's one of the few kids out there who have a ventricle and a half repair. Um, so those are the things that inspire me. It's the, the neighbors across the street that look out for each other and um, the Mother Teresa's and the Jesus Christ's and um, yeah. I want to thank my guest, Betsy Boone, who leads enterprise engagements at Xenial. Thank you so much for joining us today and helping to continue to inspire me and our listeners as well. We look forward to watching the great ways that you continue to innovate both at Xenial as well as Kenneth B. Strong. And I also want to thank our audience for joining us today. If you want to reach out to me directly, feel free to email me at tama.looney at xenial.com. That's it for today. Thank you so much, Betsy Boone, and thank you to our listeners. Have a great day. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to suggest a topic or guest for an upcoming episode, we want to hear from you. You can reach us at tablestakes at xenial.com. Tablestakes is produced by Michael Kowalski. Our audio engineer is Joseph Hawk, and I'm your host, Andy Grindstaff.